Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 66 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is Wednesday, May 20th, 2009. We have a really exciting podcast for you this week. We're going to talk to Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment, as always, and we have a special guest, former Trojan defensive end Kyle Moore, who's now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's joined by our USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Wojcicki, so we can hear what's been going on. With Kyle, we're also going to talk recruiting. We have a lot of recruiting questions. Those seem to be the most popular questions, the recruiting questions. So we're going to talk with Gerard Martinez. He'll try to answer all of your questions coming up. But, of course, in the first segment, we like to talk about the USC football team with Coach Harvey Hyde. How are you doing today, Coach? Ryan, I'm doing great. I'll tell you, every day we get closer and closer to another great uh, football season. Not that we don't enjoy the sports that are going on now and what USC has been doing, which we'll get to in a little bit. But... Uh, I want to say hello to everyone out there. I want to wish everybody a great Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we also want to thank Southern California Ticket Service for making this segment possible. We sure do. Southern California Tickets is our ticket provider for here on the Peristyle Podcast. SCTickets.com is the website. Or if you just want to give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. Concert, sporting events, theater. And, of course, the Lakers are still alive. You want to get some Laker tickets, they're good for that. Coach, you going to any Laker games? No, I'm not going to any Laker games. I enjoy uh, watching them on television. I just don't want to get down into. How about last night down there at LA Live and the Laker game, or you know Tuesday night? Can you imagine the crowd? They had seven thousand for the American Idol down there. They had eighteen thousand nine hundred ninety-nine, or whatever it is, at the Laker game. Crazy. Uh, I'm going to tell you that had to be crazy down there. And then the traffic, as far as everybody going home, was the game started at six. Yeah. <laughs> All the media down there. I mean, everybody's broadcasting live from American Idol. I mean, there has to be so much media on the one side, and of course the Laker game, and it's just crazy down there. But it's a, they they've done a nice little thing down there in downtown LA, making that. You know, when I was in school, I mean that that was a pit down there, and now it's like you know it's a it's a destination. It really is. I've been down there, and it's uh, beautiful. The new ESPN zone and. And the studios there at ESPN, not only for, for radio, but television. They've got restaurants around there. They've got the theaters. I mean, it's really good parking, too, down underneath there off of, of uh, Olympic. And it, it just, it's really improving. They're building those brand-new hotels across the street. I think, what is it, a Ritz-Carlton and, what, a Four Seasons or Marriott or something? They're absolutely huge, those hotels. Definitely. And I think it helps USC. I mean, that whole Figueroa corridor, any kind of improvements there, I think that goes a long way to helping USC in the long run, uh, just, you know, because it's so many people recruiting and stuff like that, you know, bashing the neighborhoods and stuff that USC is in. But the more they improve that whole corridor there, obviously it's better for the university. Yeah, I wonder if Oregon's planning on painting another player on one of the buildings. <laughs> Maybe so. I don't know. Um, well, Coach, we got a few kind of different topics. We got a couple questions, but I wanted to uh, – Bring up a few items that, you know, obviously at the offseason, we still got a couple months before we hit fall camp. 
but plenty to talk about. We'll probably be reviewing and previewing most of the games. We'll talk to you about each team individually, one by one each week. But a couple of interesting things came up. Um, on the Peristyle yesterday, the uscfootball.com, the main message board, um, there was a lot of interest, uh, our, thanks to our Michelle Phelan, who uh, does a lot of video interviews for us. She was actually a college tennis player. She started putting live updates on of the USC men's tennis um, final match when they were playing for the NCAA championship. And uh, they end up winning. So USC's the uh, 2009 national championship in men, won the national championship in men's tennis. And of course, they uh, USC finished second in water polo and uh, volleyball, men's volleyball this year. That men's volleyball team was completely rebuilt. But when you think about, you know, think back, uh, Mike Garrett was named 1993 the athletic director. Kind of was handed a football coach. Uh, you know, the uh, um, they they had hired a football coach, uh, John Robinson, right before um, they hired Mike Garrett. So Mike Garrett didn't really get anything there. People criticized him, obviously, for his Paul Hackett hire, but since then, with Pete Carroll, the unprecedented success. But there's been, they've won a lot of championships. This might not be complete, but I went back and took a look. They had two in football, obviously, men's golf, four in men's tennis, four in men's water polo, and on the women's side, two women's golf championships, a soccer championship, which kind of came out of the blue, swimming, track, two volleyball championships, and a women's water polo championship. Uh, I mean, they, he's done well. Across the board, I think, with uh, the other sports brought a lot of national recognition to some of those other sports. And, of course, the the big one uh, being football. I mean, you've got to see him over the years as the athletic director. What do you think? You know, he gets criticized, and I think some of it's, you know, deserved. But, I mean, some of the results is just hard to argue with. Well, I don't know. First of all, I want everyone to know before I start, I'm a Mike Garrett fan, okay? So uh, if you're one that uh, supposedly criticizes Mike Garrett, uh, for what? I don't know. For what? The firing of John Robinson? Okay, a lot of coaches get fired and hired and so on, and there's a lot of circumstances to that that a lot of us don't even know about. But as far as anything negative but except for that, I don't know. Every coach I've ever talked to, I do a radio show with the entire athletic department. Every coach is on the show and associate ADs and so on throughout the entire year. I've never heard a coach say nothing negative about Coach Mike Garrett. He gives him everything that's possible. He supports him 100%. He demands the athlete going to class. If an athlete goes into his office, he is in deep trouble. He's very close to every program. He goes to all the athletic events. He raises the money and due to Pete Carroll and the success of the football program, he's able to go out and give good budgets and give full scholarships and and hire the type of compliance staffs and academic staffs and so on to, to give the support groups that are necessary. He brought Ron Allison and as the track and field coach at USC, and there is no way ever that USC should be successful in track with the number of scholarships they get. And here they are beating UCLA in both men's and women's uh, track and field and finished second this past weekend in the Pac-10 in track and men's and I think third or fourth in the women's division. So, you know, I just think the guy is a superstar. He's a winner. He's not there to, to, to necessarily be everybody's friend. And he says, and I say, don't mistake kindness for weakness. He, he's the type of guy that can be the sweetest guy in the world, but yet if it's necessary to get on you or tell you that, hey, you're not getting done exactly what you've been hired here to do or you're not going to class, and if you don't go to class, we're going to get rid of you, he's the guy that will tell you that too. And he's also the type of athletic director that coaches love because he hires you and he leaves you alone. 
He says, I hired you for a reason. You must be good. Why should I tell you how to do it? So he allows that coach to coach his, to his best, utmost uh, abilities, and it's absolutely worked. So I like Mike Garrett. I think he's a winner. He supports all the, all the sports that are over there, uh, and I think he's done a, a great job. So it's hard for me to see or feel anything negative as far as Mark, Mike Garrett as an athletic director. He supports the Tournament of Roses. He supports all the activities, so the Big Ten and Pac-10 activities together. I mean, he's uh, uh, a community uh, leader as far as he lives in Pasadena and attends a lot of events. I, I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Mike Garrett. So, you know, uh, so there's others that might disagree with me. You might know something I don't know. That's fine. Maybe <laughs> he didn't say hello to you. You know, he doesn't walk by. And, he's not a cheerleader, okay? So, but he's the type of person that you know he's there. His presence is recognized. He's an SC alumnus. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He brings every single thing to USC that uh, I would think that uh, the president and the alumni want. Yeah, you bring up a good point too, Coach. And some of the, you know, especially you know, women winning in women's track. I mean, track is kind of a strange sport, but a lot of those sports. You know, track is one, baseball is one, and, you know, USC baseball team has obviously fallen on some harder times. But when you don't have a full complement of scholarships and you really need to win, you have to kind of, you know, supplement your roster with a lot of walk-ons. A, a private university like USC is at, a, is at a disadvantage there because you have to have someone being paying, you know, paying $40,000 a year out of their pocket and play the sport and get on there. And I, I think with the, the championships in track, it's a little bit easier because it's more spread out. You're not really relying on the walk-ons. It's more of your star. So you were talking about the Pac-10 meet or the, the NCAA meet. But when they to beat UCLA heads up, I mean, that's where all that depth is important. And to win the dual meet there, I mean, I just never thought you'd even see that happen because it's just so much easier to walk on at UCLA. It's a lot cheaper. Uh, and just, but stuff like that, Coach, it's, just, it's amazing some of the, the championships he's brought to the university. I agree with you 100%. And... Uh... I tell you, uh, he's a no-nonsense guy, which I think you have to have as an athletic director, yet he'll hug you and he'll recognize you, and he doesn't want any credit. He'll give all the credit to the athletes and the coaches. Cool. All right. Well, I'm glad we uh, – you know, it seems like a hot topic for you, Coach. I like that. But I just thought we need to bring that up because I was like, man, they're they're coming so close and winning more championships, especially the ones out of the blue, like the soccer one a couple of years ago where they were like a number 20 team and make that incredible run. And the volleyball team this year – they didn't win, but man, they were terrible before. And uh, you know, they get a new coach in there, and boom, get some success. All right, so another topic. I don't know if you've seen us out there, Coach Mark Sanchez is going to be in the June issue of GQ magazine, posing with uh, supermodel Hillary Rhoda. Um, you know, he's got his shirt off. This is this is going everywhere. I mean, they love him in New York, and obviously, he's all over the tabloids. And all over, every time he goes to a club, he's going to be. They're going to talk about him. But he hasn't played it down yet in the NFL. And, you know, he has impressed, you know, from reports, he has impressed his teammates out there when he's gone through those workouts and stuff. But he hasn't played it down yet. He hasn't gone through camp or anything yet. And he's going to be in GQ magazine with his shirt off, posing with a supermodel. I mean, is he going to get just grilled in the locker room from his, you know, from his teammates here on the Jets? Well, I think, uh, I don't know if he's going to get drilled. He's going to get kitted at first. And I think a lot of people are envious because he is a good-looking kid and he is getting these opportunities. And I think that's one thing about being in New York. You are going to 
you know, get all of this type of publicity and people are going to want you on all the talk shows. And I'm going to predict eventually he'll have his own radio show in New York, too, or television show, talk show or so on, because that's the type of city New York is. If you're a star in New York, you're huge. But again, it puts more additional pressure on you. I'm going to tell you that. Because when you are in all of these type of articles and you're on TV and you're throwing out the first pitch at a Met game and so on, people then expect a certain amount out of you on the field. And if you don't produce on the field, then people blame your success to all the playing around and all the things you spent away, the time you spent away from football, like you mentioned the clubs and this and that and so on. Now, if he has great success, then he's going to be having more of those opportunities. But people look for ways, if you don't have a great season or if things don't go right, of, of pointing a finger to why. So, you know, yes, uh, he was in it. Do I think it was smart that he was in it? Not really. <laughs> I don't know if he was paid for it or not. He probably was paid handsomely I'm to sure, be in there yeah. to feature him. I think it's great publicity, and that's what they're trying to do, make him marketable. So the next thing you'll see him in some... Uh, product ad, driving a car, drinking a drink, or or doing something like that, or modeling some type of clothes or so on. I think it's the agent's responsibility and the marketing and his parents' responsibility to decide, because he's still a kid, what's right or wrong, and why is he in New York? He's there to play football. He's being paid handsomely to play football. So that's got to be his number one priority. And he's got to remember that it's if he doesn't play well, all of these things reverse themselves. And every talk show host and every writer and everybody else is going to say, oh, look, this is why. So, you know, uh, that's where I look at it. I, I, and, uh, and, and I hope that uh, he does have a great year back there with the, uh, with the Jets and uh, all of it works out for him. But I think you've got to move a little slow. You've got to be a little cautious. You really don't need publicity. He'll make his name on the football field. That's the way he made his name at USC and his personality. He doesn't need to flaunt it, and he's got enough money where he doesn't need another 100000 or 200000 or wherever they're giving him to be in these magazines. So what I think he ought to do is take his time, get his career started, have success on the football field, and then let things like that come along. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it could be – I mean, it'll make Matt Leiner, you know, just – it'll be pale in comparison just because he's in that bigger market, big in, being in New York and stuff. We'll have to see what happens, Coach. We definitely wish him luck. He's got the personality to pull through this whole thing, so we'll have to see what goes on. Um, okay, the last thing we wanted to get to is a couple of questions. Um, Martin in L.A., uh, he had some offensive questions. and I'll, There's two of them. We'll just kind of go through each one. That's okay. So, and he wanted to know what wrinkles can we expect uh, from these new USC offensive coaches. What do you think, Coach? Well, Martin, I don't know what you mean by wrinkles. I think you say how are they going to, uh, or what are they going to add or delete from the offense when you say that. You know, it's basically the same offense. What I saw in the spring was basically the same offense that USC has been running. So it's not like. Jeremy Bates or John Morton's offense or so on. It's USC's offense, Pete Carroll's offense, okay? It's a part of the offense that's been there for all the quarterbacks that have been there in the past and so on, so on, so on. But whatever you have, you try to improve on. You really do. And I think there's a couple of areas that they know they have to improve on too, and I think that's what they'll be working with. Because once you get tendencies or or so on, then you're really – 
you know, beating yourself when people can predict what play you might run and on what hash mark and what formation and so on or what players are in the game and so on. I think that you'll see probably, if you want to call it a new wrinkle, I think you'll probably see, I hope, I hope you'll see more draws, not just one type of draw, but a couple of different types of draw, quick draw, trap draw, regular draw. I would like to see some additional screens put in, uh, uh, the regular screens off the dropback series, uh, different type of screens that will allow your running backs to run with the ball and hold your linebackers to help the passing game. I'd like to hope that you might see more routes across the middle of the field and crossing routes against man defenses. I, I would hope that they spend a lot of time, and I think they talk about this continuously, they've got to be able to run the football better than what they have in the past. What I mean by that, not that they can't run the football, but I mean when you need a yard, you can count on getting that yard. Or if you need to run the football because it's a rainy day or wind's blowing or whatever, that you can line up and pound at that somebody's throat and everybody has the confidence that can happen. Uh, I, I think that uh, you will take advantage of Aaron Corp and his running ability by maybe a quarterback draw or maybe even an option series with uh, Aaron Corp because he did it in high school. He can run so well that that would put some great strain, a big strains on the corners and defenses that will be facing USC. Not a lot. And what I said sounds like a lot, but it's not a lot. It's just improving, and, and maybe you'll be dropping some things from the offense. It really uh, doesn't fit. But I think that's some of the things you might see. At least I hope you see those, because those are things I think you need. That's a good point, Coach. And I, I think they ran a few draws. The only problem was they were always seemed to always be like third and 15 or something. I, I would like to see them run a few screens in those situations. I know USC fans on the message boards have got a little – upset the last couple of years when it's you know it, it seemed like you know during passing situations they wanted to run and running situations they wanted to pass for whatever reason and so there would be those you know long down and distance things and they would kind of maybe not even a draw just kind of a handoff up off tackle or something like that so it would be nice to to see them kind of mix that up a little bit and and dump off a screen because they you know you could dump off a screen to mcknight and that could go you know that could go a long way well you can dump off a screen uh to any of those backs they have. And, and one thing that, if you go on the screen, it takes a lot of timing, okay? It's not something you just work on a couple of days. You have to believe in a screen, and you have to work on it over and over and over, and you have to, it's a feel, a screen's a feel by the lineman, how long they hold their blocks and then release their blocks, and how long a back stays in there and hides and then gets out into uh, the screen as far as where it's set up at and so on, on different parts of the field, wide side, short side, depending, middle screen. I'd like to also see them use McCoy more on delay right routes, wide delay, everybody drops back, he stays in and pass blocks and, re and releases to the open area. I'd love to see that uh, and it put more into the offense uh, because people just drop out of there and, 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 you know, you can let that big kid run with the football, you know, down the field, and he punishes defensive backs when they have to tackle him. And after a while, they don't want to tackle him anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are the things I think that you, you have to utilize in order to soften up the defense and get a defense to play you straight and put a lot of strain on them. All right. Now, the second question was, and it's kind of appropriate the day that uh, Michael Vick is released from prison, uh, who could be the ultimate Wildcat quarterback. But they were talking about, have we seen the end of the 
the Wildcat at USC. And obviously what he's referring to is uh, they had Joe McKnight, not that many plays, only a handful of times, kind of line up a quarterback and then usually just run the ball. He wasn't really a throwing threat or they didn't use that. Uh, we didn't see any of that in the spring. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I, we'll let, see what you you say, but I think they could definitely install it if they wanted to in the fall. But, you know, maybe because you have such a mobile guy like Aaron Corp there, you don't really need to put the ball in the hands of, of one of the running backs when your quarterback can do something similar. A very good point. Uh, who's is this Martin's question? This was Martin, yeah. It's part two. Yeah. yeah, good, Martin. Good point. Martin knows football. First <laughs> of all, I hope they don't run the Wildcat the way they ran it because they ran a couple of times, and if you remember, they fumbled on it and so on because they didn't have the confidence in it, and they don't practice it enough. You've got to practice something to run it. When you run something and you have great athletes and they're not confident in it, if you don't practice it enough, then you're hurting yourself. You're better off running something else. So, you know, the Wildcat, I don't know why they even put it in. They didn't utilize it at all. Basically, most of the time they just, you know, faked the ball to him or gave it to him and threw the football. Uh, Sanchez never ran with the football, and that's part of a running series where you you fake the ball to the halfback and, and you run option off of it, and then, the, and then the quarterback runs it and so on. It's something that you might see in the fall more because – you know, maybe it's something they didn't show in the spring because they didn't want Ohio State to know it or, or San Jose State to know it or see it because they might be able to use it on them. Uh, Ohio State obviously sees it every day in their practices with, with prior and so on. But uh, I think it's something you might see, some type of option. You might see lead option. You might see some type of veer option or something with court because the lead option is a great play when the quarterback goes down the line of scrimmage and tosses the ball. But remember one thing Pete Carroll believes in is turnovers, stripping the football. And whenever you get to the option game, there's always a chance of a turnover. So it's a high turnover percentage offense, the option game. So will we see a lot of the Wildcat? I don't think so. Uh, because there's a chance of a turnover, uh, especially if you put the whole option game in with it. Tebow runs it perfectly because he's a big, strong kid that runs, runs with the ball, and some of the pitches he makes are unbelievable. They're absolutely perfect. But it takes a lot of practice to do that, and I'm not sure USC wants to spend the time practicing on that. Yeah, I don't remember Jeremy Bates doing uh, – maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember much of that going on in Denver – um, oh, no, never, you know, never. Yeah, yeah no. that wasn't a Shanahan kind of – I don't think Shanahan no, would have put up with no. that. So maybe if it's something Bates wanted to do but didn't do it because of Shanahan. But I, I kind of agree with you, Coach. I don't think that's something they're going to put into their, their repertoire there. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. There, There's a you know a lot of practices remember, in fall camp. I got a question for you. Yeah. I got a question for you. How do you like that? Okay, sure. All right, I'm going to reverse that. We talk about Jeremy Bates. Yes. He's just the play caller and quarterback coach. John Morton is the offensive coordinator, correct? Right. Why don't people refer to him as the offensive coordinator and get his thoughts rather than what Jeremy Bates thinks? Well, I think a lot of, I mean, when, when you're talking with fans and anybody, even the media, what you focus on, and a lot of times on the offense, I think people focus on when you're watching this stuff, is the play calling. Like that's, for whatever reason, that's the one thing that, that you know, people that watch the sport that aren't playing it and, and are covering it or, or just fans of it think that, you know, a lot of times they could do better. Like, why did you call that play? Um, so I think the fact that, you know, no matter how much John Morton does behind the scenes, because the the actual play call will come from Jeremy Bates, I think that's why he's getting the most attention. That, and he's new. 
Uh, you know, he's the new guy, so I think people are kind of looking to him. He called plays in Denver and stuff. But, I mean, that's just my opinion. But it seems to be like the, the actual what the plays are called. And it's, you know, it's similar to when people are playing video games. They get to call their own plays. I think that's something that people can kind of put themselves in the, the court coach's shoes and say, you know, I'd rather, you know, I wouldn't want to, oh, why'd you run the ball here? Or why'd you throw the ball here? You know, not necessarily the specific plays where this route should have been, you know, not a fly pattern. It should have been an out or whatever it is. But it's like, you know, calling a run or calling a pass. I think that's what a lot of people feel that they know what should be done. All right. The reason I'm asking you that is because since Jeremy Bates has been at USC, he's been the go-to guy on interviewing. Yes. I don't, I don't know how many times, uh, maybe once or twice the entire spring, I heard quotes from Johnny Morton, the offensive coordinator. And uh, I sometimes, in my staff, when I had a staff, my offensive coordinator ran my offense, and whoever called the plays normally was the offensive coordinator. He was just a play caller, and I understand what you're saying. But Jeremy Bates, when you give a guy a lot of credit, like like people are doing, and what he did at Denver and so on, uh, the last time I remember, the entire Denver staff was fired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Cutler did I well, think, so that's what huh? they like. Cutler did really well, so that's what they like. Okay, and I'm not being critical. I'm just saying I am being critical. And sarcastic. <laughs> okay, I got to correct myself. But when you when you get a lot of publicity, just like we were talking about Mark Sanchez, right? Then you better produce. And a lot of people are going to put a lot of pressure on his play calling. Oh, there's tons. Because because right now everybody is going to him for all the answers, and uh, they are forgetting about the other part of the offensive staff. Remember. The part of that, that offensive staff is all one. The line has to perform, the receivers have to perform, the backs have to perform, and so on, for any play to work. So uh, it's going to be, right now, he is the golden boy, okay? He is. <laughs> $1.2 million a year as an assistant coach. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't know what he makes, but that's that sounds about right. Wow. That's he can good. get that, by, okay? That's good money, yeah. Coach, I'm going to have to yeah. send you a T-shirt for that excellent question. It, you're going to send me a T-shirt. Yeah, for that you had a good question, so I got to send you a T-shirt. Send it to Mart. Okay, I will. Because I like Mart. Mart got us into this deal. Okay, yeah. Mart, keep those questions coming. All right. So well, I'm just saying that I'm saying everyone is looking forward to seeing and wondering at what we're going to see in the fall as far as the offense is concerned. Okay, because it is a key part. That's where all the returners are. Yet I think the defense is really going to be good. So yeah. move on. All right, coach. Well, that's that's our that's our segment for that's great. I like what? The, yeah, I know. We, we go by twenty five minutes super fast. There's, I need an hour. I know. We, we'll do I one. Need an hour. Right. Everyone, write in if you want Coach Hyde on for an hour. Maybe we'll just have you on for an hour. We'll do some interviews and stuff. We'll, we, we'll do a roundtable. You, Dan. We'll get a whole bunch of people on at once. That'd be kind of fun. I'd love to. I'd love to hear young kids. Uh, opinions on things. Yeah. You know, it keeps me young. Keeps well, we, me young. Coach, we got time. We're on young people. We got months until fall camp, but we always see, I always get worried. I'm like, okay, what are we going to talk about this week? It fills up. We get more than an hour every single week. It doesn't matter. There's always enough to talk about. So You don't ever have to worry about me. Okay? <laughs> Just throw it out there, baby, and I'll run with it. All right. Well, Coach, thank you very much again for joining us. Thank you, Ryan. And again, let's thank Southern California Ticket Service. Yeah, thank SCTickets.com. If you need Laker tickets, check that out. we got a really exciting segment in the next segment. Dan Wyke, he's flying solo. He's going to be talking to former Trojan defensive end 
Kyle Moore. Stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast from uscfootball.com. This is Dan Weike without Ryan Abraham, who has taken the segment off to go ice his ankle or drink a beer or do whatever it is that Ryan does when he's not around. And we are joined by, I believe, our very first professional football player on the Peristyle Podcast. Kyle Moore, how does that sound? Professional football player. <laughs> Sounds great, man. Sounds great. A dream that finally came true. So let's let's talk about let's let's go back to draft day here. Um, you were a second day selection, fourth round, seventeenth pick overall by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kind of what was that second day like? Was that kind of when you thought you were going to get picked in the second day? Just kind of take me through the process of the draft and, and the preparation for it, and then finally what that day was like. Well, you know, I, I kind of figured, you know. I, I wanted to, you know, the lease was, you know, second round, you know, but, you know, when the third, when the second day came around and the third round passed, you know, I, I got, 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 got kind of anxious, you know, uh, didn't know what was going to happen, didn't know where I was going to go because the teams that I, I was hearing from, my agent and, and stuff like that, uh, didn't fall through. So, you know, when, when Temple Bay called me, you know, I got a Florida number. You know, I didn't know what Florida team it was, but you know, I looked down on the board and it was, it was Tampa Bay, and they had traded up uh, to get me from uh, Dallas. So, you know, I had a big smile on my face, ran in the living room, uh, told my parents, and it seemed like the house just livened up because it was pretty much dead. <laughs> <laughs> did you Did you watch the first day of the draft? Uh, phone call. Did you watch the first day of the draft at home too with the family? Oh yeah, I did. Okay, and I'm sure, like you said, some anxious moments. I'm sure during the second round. Um, Talk about Tampa Bay and kind of where you're at. Are you, are you you're down there now, right? Yes, sir. Are you got a place to stay? Are you are you doing mini camp? What are you doing right now in Tampa? Oh yeah, well yeah, I'm down here and uh, you know we we started our OTAs uh, today. Today was day one for for the rookies. You know the guys after graduation that can come in and, and come in and work with the vets. Today's our first day that we actually worked out with the the vets. Uh, well, most of the vets that came. Uh, to the OTAs, you know, and it, it it was cool, you know, uh, a lot faster, you know, a lot more things to learn, a lot of install that was put in today, but, you know, overall it was a good day for me. How did USC prepare you for that? I mean, for a fast practice with a pretty complicated defense, was that some, were those things that you picked up at USC? Oh, yeah, you know, at USC is the best place to do it because we, we run a pro-style defense, we have a pro-style offense, and we have pro, we have pro coaches, you know, uh, coaching on the collegiate level, you know, Coach Carroll and Coach Lord and all those guys has been uh, in the NFL at, at, at one point of their career and, uh, you know, and been through the same thing that I'm going through right now, you know, and, you know, it just helps out a lot because they warn us before we get there, you know, that it's all about business, make sure I'm in my playbook, make sure I'm, I'm looking over the material every night 
every any every chance I get, you know, so I can uh, go out there and, and uh, play fast out there on the field. Only taking a break to talk to us at the Beer Style Podcast. We appreciate that, Kyle. Oh, it's okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so have you signed a contract at this point? Are, are you full fledged, ready to go at Tampa Bay Buccaneer? You're still in that process. Uh, I'm still in the process. I haven't I haven't signed any contracts of any sort yet. You know. I'm pretty much uh, working for free <laughs> right about now, but I mean, I, I don't, I, I can't complain, you know, uh, because uh, like I said, I'm, it's a new process for me, it's a new thing for me. Um, really, I'm just trying to get to know the coaches and and the, the veterans that are here, and, and pretty much know, get around the facilities and all the trainers. It's just it's brand new to me, you know. So I'm really not worried. I mean, I'm worried about my contract, but as of right now, I'm just trying to. Get in this playbook, and uh, you know, hopefully, I can help my team later on this fall. Yeah, so let's let's go back to when you were in high school. Now, <clears throat> all right, you're a senior in high school in in Atlanta, Georgia, or right around Atlanta, Georgia, and you know, you're you're heading out to USC, obviously with the goal to one day play in the NFL. How have you changed in those in those four years? I guess, and and what have you done differently? You think that's put you in Tampa Bay? You know, getting ready to start an NFL season. It's a long process, <laughs> you know. It comes from getting your first letter in high school, and you know, and, and finally, I made that transition from me leaving uh, Georgia to to move to California and give them pretty much my time for five years of my life. You know, uh, you know, it was a big change for me, but you know, uh, now that I look back on it, you know, uh, it's it was it's a blessing because you know. Uh, Half our defense, pretty much our whole defense, got drafted. You know, and I've had a great time out there in, in Los Angeles with the coaches and you know all the fans and, and the people that I've met out there. I'm glad I made that decision of becoming a Trojan. You know, it's helped me out a lot in my game and my understanding of the game, uh, how I practice, how I do things. You know, I pretty much I grew up. You know, uh, mom and dad wasn't there to to save me like I was in uh, in high school, you know, I was out there on my own pretty much, you know, and if I did need help, I could always go to the coaches or, you know, some of the other, fam- some of my teammates, family members that was out there to help me, help me out too. So, you know, it's just the transition of me going from high school to college to now, I mean, I mean, like I said, USC set me up to do all of that. Yeah, it gave you a little taste too of, of kind of what that big time and, and the big lights are like too. I'd imagine that was probably a big part of it as well. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, it well, is, we know you're big time, Kyle. I mean, I know this. I mean, but I don't know if everybody <laughs> else knows how, how big time you are. You know? Nah, I'm, I'm still just Kyle Moore, man. Trying to trying to do big things one day. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, it's it's not every day that I get you know an NFL player calling me back on my phone. You know, mostly I can't get anybody to call me back. I've got a hard enough time getting my parents to call me back. You know, but I, I appreciate <laughs> I, I appreciate you looking out. Um, so you mentioned, uh, you know, seeing half the defense get drafted. Any surprises? Were you surprised that Ray maybe slipped to the second round or, or that Kevin slipped, you know, where he did or Carey? I mean, were, were you surprised that some of those guys went a little later? Oh, yeah, man, because, you know, like I said, those guys have been there, you know, been playing. They hold, you know, been playing since their freshman year, you know, and, and helped our team out ever since I've been there. You know, Ray, you know, he slipped to the second that was that was kind of that was the biggest surprise, and you know, Kells, he, him going as late as he did, I didn't I didn't think that was going to happen at all either. You know, him and Kerry, because both those guys, you know, those are lockdown guys, and Kells, 
I believe he's you know he was our best defensive player on the field because he just studied field film so much mm-hmm. and uh you know like I said he he's seen things uh happen before they happen you know and I mean it just helped our defense a lot he was he's the main reason why our defense was number one and and, and breaking up all the records and and uh you know pretty much being the best defense in the country because of him you yeah. know I mean it was all of us but he's the main part of it yeah no most certainly I mean you bring up some interesting points, I think, about Kevin, too. Obviously, the injuries and stuff like that were something that I think hurt him. But the thing that I thought was crazy about the draft was, I mean, you've you've seen these guys, you know, for, for four or five years. Would you have ever thought that Clay Matthews would be selected before Ray Maluga in the NFL draft at, at any point in time in your life? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. It's crazy. Like I said, Clay, came a long, he's came, he came a long way, you know, from him walking on and you know, really not playing. I mean, he played, but really didn't play until the you know got his starting position the fourth game of the season. You know, and he goes four, four uh, first round off of eight games. You know, that's a that's a big surprise. You know, and I'm happy for him. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, if I if I could do it in eight games, I wish I could do it. Too. <laughs> you know, I go first round off of eight games, but you know, he's always helped us. And you know, and, and, and like I said, I'm I'm proud of Clay because he's up there in Green Bay. You know, I hate that he's in Green Bay. He's up there cold, but <laughs> yeah, that's not fun. That's not fun. Uh, you know, yeah, that's that's a, that's a big surprise. You know, and I, like I said, I'm happy for him. I worked out with him all all uh, all spring. Well, most of the spring, you know, what last half of the spring when I came back to uh, Los Angeles from Atlanta working with Chuck Smith. You know, and he just, you know, yeah, first round on his mind, and it ha- finally happened. Finally what, happened for him. What was the hardest part of this process for you? Was it the preparation for the combine was it the wonderlick was it the interviews with the teams and and trying to figure out who was telling you the truth and who wasn't i mean i i could see how that could be kind of tough where you know you're kind of like it's almost like you're speed dating a little bit where you know you're sitting down with all these different teams and you know everybody's telling you how much they love you and stuff like that but then you know come come around draft day you're just like you know i thought you loved me and stuff like that is that yeah, yeah that's that's the biggest thing you know i mean a lot of coaches, you know, they told me, you know, I'm not going to bring up no team names or nothing like that. Yeah. Well, you know, I play some of those teams, and, and I'm going to make them pay for not picking me up, you know. But like I said, I'm happy to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer first and foremost. But, you know, um, yeah, I mean, the biggest, the biggest, you know, the hardest thing for me this year, you know, was, like I said, it was like you said, the speed dating. You know, everybody telling you we want you, we like how you do this and that. And I'm like, cool. You know, you can get in the phone calls and you do the visits and you do the the uh, the, uh, the the workouts and you know and it's like why do all these workouts for you not to even draft me? You know, yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's that's the biggest thing, you know, because like I said, half the history shows that the, the teams that really don't talk to you, the guys that don't work work you out and or call you, it's, it's the team that drafts you. You know, it's some random team that you never have talked to in the combine or. Somewhere, somewhere around that time, you know, and it's just, yeah, it's just real. It's not frustrating, but it just makes you, makes you, I don't know. It seems like you're confused. I'm confused. I can't even think of the word. Well, it's like going on like five or six dates. You know, you bought, you bought the steak dinner, maybe prime rib the second date and stuff like that. And then at the end of date six, you get a handshake and they say thanks. 
Yeah, and it's like, okay, thank you. You know, thank you for your time. Like, I mean, it's like, you know, know, a little something would be nice. You know, I'm not asking for the like world. clueless. That's the word. I'm looking for clueless. You know, they leave you clueless. Like, what they're going to do. <laughs> they, they, they're so secretive about what they're going to do and how they're going to, how they draft, the, how, they, how they draft and everything. So, yeah. No. It's very clueless. And they just give you no clue where you're going to go. You know, you just sit in there waiting, like, like on draft. You're waiting to see where you're going to be relocated at hopefully for the rest of your career. Yeah. Now, was Tampa um, a team that you really didn't have a lot of contact with in the process, or were, were they somebody that you were talking uh, no. to? I mean, I, I, I had I, you know, I had met with all the teams in the combine, you know, and they told me that they liked, you know, what I, 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 my pass rush and, and that I could play inside as a three technique, but that's all they told me, you know. And I gave them to ask the, the same questions everybody else asked me, and then, that's the most I've really heard from him until, you know, probably that Wednesday before the draft. You know, I was getting everybody was calling for phone numbers and, and email addresses and agents' numbers and stuff like that. And it was like, well, we're pulling for you down here. And I'm like, okay. But I heard that from other teams as well, too. <laughs> so, like I said, it just, it, that, this whole process just left you clueless on where you were going to get drafted, when you were going to get drafted, and where you were going to get drafted. So. How how does the Tampa system compare to what is done at USC? Obviously, Pete Carroll, Monty Kiffin were very close, or you know, and Carroll has those those kind of Tampa Bay ties. Um, I know you're you're new in the process, but do you see similarities in in, in what you guys are doing down there? Oh to- yeah, and the defenses, you know, it, it, I see a lot of similarities in the defenses that Tampa runs. You know, the Tampa two defenses and and, and pressures that we run. You know, just different terminology. That's the that's the only difference that I really see is the terminology and some of the alignments that they have in their base defenses. But overall, it's pretty much the same, just different terminology. Yeah. Now let, I'm gonna take you back and I'm gonna get your uh, your your kind of another combine question for you. The New York Giants are kind of notorious for for asking ridiculous interview questions. Um, did you get any of those? I think one I read was, uh, "Do you like?" Blonde women or tall women or something like that. They'll ask a question like that, and apparently that has some sort of value. Did anybody ask you anything that you were like, why would you want to know that? Like off-the-wall questions? Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Let me think. <laughs> um, I, got, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of random questions, but... Like, do, do, do you wear men's shoes or women's shoes? Like, something like that, or... Just to try, <laughs> try to feel you out a little uh, bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, what kind of women you like? You know, uh, do you you know? Uh, uh, would you would you find uh, uh, would you find your wife wherever you moved at and stuff like that? It's it's funny. I mean, Th- that's crazy. a lot of pressure. It's like they're, it's like they're psychological questions. You know, like they're trying to see what's going on in your head. You know, so I don't know. Have you found a wife in Tampa Bay yet, Kyle? Say what? Have you found a wife yet in Tampa Bay? Or? Oh, no. <laughs> I've only been out here. This is my fifth day out here in Tampa Bay. Three days, and this is the second day that I've been out here in Tampa Bay. So, I was set. That's not, a, not, not probably a bad place to look, though, I'd imagine. You, know, you get the Florida sun. Uh, one thing I bet, are you, are you happy to be playing kind of back in the south and being closer to home and stuff like oh, that? Oh, yes. Yeah, this is, this is the perfect place for me to play at, you know, because it's not too – too far from home, but it's not too close either. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you know. I mean, I mean, they can come and, and come watch the games. It's maybe a six-hour drive, if that. You know, on a slow day, and 
And uh, like I said, it's not too close for them just to be popping up at the crib when they want to either. <laughs> yeah, right. I wouldn't mind that, but you know, I've been I I was distant from them for three thousand miles for many years. You know, them being as close, like I said, it just helps. It helps them out a whole lot. You know, they ain't got to spend an arm and a leg trying to get everybody on that plane. You know, uh, they can just really just drive down now instead of flying. Well, let's talk to you about. This uh this upcoming USC football team real quick and get your kind of inside opinion on a couple things. First of all, were you surprised that Aaron Corp was named the starting quarterback for the USC Trojans? Oh no, no, I'm not, I wasn't surprised at all. You know, I I, I felt like he was going to be the, the starting quarterback before I left uh, USC uh, in the uh, the fall. You know, I kind of figured. You know, after Mark left, I was like, well, Corp is going to be the next one because in my eyes, I thought he was going to be the best quarterback out there uh, besides the other two quarterbacks that are there already, you know, and, you know, like I said, it wasn't a surprise to me at all. I kind of figured it was going to be him. Yeah. Now, were you surprised? Um, I don't know. I don't think I saw you out at a practice, maybe for a minute or two floating around campus, but Matt Barkley had a, a, just a monumental spring. Do you think Pete would start a true freshman quarterback, or do you think that's something that's still a little ways away? I think it's still a ways away. Because <laughs> it's that the line, USC offensive playbook is not an easy thing to learn. It's a lot of checkdowns. It's a lot of you know hot routes. A lot of a lot of everything that that you have to do and, and know to 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 make the offense work. Uh, how it's always been. How it's been when Matt was there. When Mark was there. When John David Booty was there. You know all those guys knew the calls. Knew when to to audible when to check down stuff like that and you know it takes time for you to do that you can't just come in and you know i mean you can throw the ball but you know when somebody's coming to blitz you you need to know them check downs and i don't think he has them yet you know it's going to take some time yeah no most certainly i guess uh also too let's talk about that d line um a little you got a new coach a guy in there you know jethro franklin um <laughs> yeah yeah well first of all i guess what, what do you remember about uh, about jethro Oh man, Jeff was my—he was there my freshman year. You know, put me through hell. <laughs> <laughs> then he then he dips that on me, you know. But it's okay, you know. I'm glad that he's there now, and and uh, you know he's going to help those guys out a lot. You know, he, he's had a lot of great ends that he's that he's made great. So by how being uh, the, the defensive end from Green Bay and the number one pick overall, Mario Williams. Mario Williams had one sack, and then. Next year he had twelve, thirteen sacks, you know, and that's mm-hmm. all because of Jeff Franklin. Well, he's a big part of his success, you know, because like I said, Jethro is a, is, a, is a great technician on that defensive line. He knows his stuff. He knows uh, how to, he knows how to uh, hand placements and and uh, just everything about being a defensive lineman, you know. And it's, it's, it's I'm glad that they got him as a coach. Hopefully, he stays. For more than a year this time. <laughs> yeah. What about the move of uh, Armand Armstead to strong side defensive end? Did you see things in him where you're like, maybe this guy can be, you know, a three down defensive end? Or is oh, he... after I watched it, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, he could he could be a defensive end. I don't know if he has a, the speed of a strong end, but he he definitely can, you know, create havoc on that run and and put some pressure on that quarterback. You know, he's a big strong guy. He reminds me of big Reggie White. That's what he looked like. Wow. <laughs> you know, out there playing that defensive end. Maybe 
got the skill set of Reggie White, but how big he is, and, you know, because Reggie White was about a 300-pound strong end, you know. Well, I must remind you, you of, like, Brad Pitt, Pitt then or something like that. I mean, if you're, if you're throwing out compliments <laughs> like that, or, or Dan Patrick or somebody you know, like once, that. once we will, like I said, once Mondo, you know, he grows up and uh, gets stronger. I mean, I, I, I really believe because he's, he's a big, big, powerful guy. Yeah. You know, in that D-line, you know, he bosses a lot of people. He bull rushes a lot of people. You know, all the all the offensive linemen hate going up, going up against him. I know them tight ends hate going up against him, too, now. Yeah, he's no fun <laughs> to block, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> At all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to get your opinion on uh, two more things here, and then we'll let you go. Um, first, who's somebody on the defensive line that maybe we didn't see a lot of last year who you think is going to break out? A guy who you, you've always been impressed with, the guy that you think can be a special football player. That you didn't really see a lot of last year? Yeah, or any year. I mean, a guy that's kind of – that we might not know about. Um, on the D-line this year, I mean, the guys that y'all going to have to like, – like, the guys that I think that's going to do the most for the D-line this year is going to be Christian to Tupo. Really? In real case. Ooh, you like those um, guys. Yeah, Avril Spicer, Everson, and Mondo. All right. All so- those guys right there, I mean, they're going to they're gonna contribute to that D-line because all of them can pass for us. You know, all of them. Uh, you know, like I said, they're going to replace the D-line we had last year. You yeah, know, right. I think that they're going to hold up that, that wild bunch up there. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, I watched them. I watched those guys grow up. You know, for the year I had the freshman with Mondo and Jarrell and and then watching Everson grow up for these last three, you know, they're going to be ready for next year, you know. And uh, I really can't name one guy that you guys didn't know about, but those guys right there, I think they're going to be the, the main guys on that defensive line. All right, and how many wins you got this team for next year? Is this another trip to the Rose Bowl or is this a national championship team? Man, they, they, I hope they go to the national championship. We, don't, we strive for the Pac-10. But we always want to go, we'll go to that national championship. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kyle Moore, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll check in with you as the season goes on, and uh, hopefully, you still get, you'll still uh, be taking my phone calls by then. <laughs> it's all good, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, don't go changing your number or doing anything silly like that, getting all big time. Man, I'm, I, I'm not going to change my number at all, bro. I keep it the same. I'm still the same OG. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, Kyle. We appreciate it. Up next <laughs> week. Right, man. Up next, we've got somebody who I don't know because Ryan didn't tell me what the next segment is. But thank you for listening to the Pure Stop Podcast, and we will be back in a little bit. You are listening to the Pear Style Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and hope you enjoyed that insightful interview Dan Weike did with uh, former Trojan defensive end Kyle Moore. We're going to talk a little recruiting in this segment with uscfootball.com senior analyst Gerard Martinez. Gerard, what's going on, man? 
nothing much, man. You're talking to my man Kyle. He was the first guy that I ever talked to who was a silent commit, who gave me a commitment, who talked about USC and kept it quiet until uh, just before signing day when he had Miami and USC and he was doing the little hat thing and he put on the Miami hat and he went, oh, no, this doesn't fit right. And then he put on the USC hat and everybody <laughs> was excited. But uh, it was funny. I mean, Kyle's an awesome guy. Kyle is, uh, whether, you know, football works out for him or not, and it probably will, but even if it doesn't, he's going he's gonna to be pretty successful in life. Yeah, he's a great guy. It's hard. It's, it sucks to see him go, but we're happy to see him get drafted and stuff. So make sure you you didn't get to hear that interview yet. Make sure you check it out. Dan did a nice job. Um, all right, so uh, some news. We're gonna get, we got a bunch of questions we're going to get to, but there is a little bit of news that broke. Uh, a new USC commitment. You want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, uh, Traywan Briggs, uh, 5'11", 200-pound running back from Birmingham High School in Van Nuys, uh, gave a commitment to USC last week, actually early in the week, and kind of kept it quiet and didn't really want to make a big media event out of it, and then uh, decided to go ahead and kind of talk about it publicly at the end of last week. And uh, it's the third running back uh, in this 2010 class for USC, so a little bit more of the power back. Um, against a lot of comparisons to Marshawn Lynch. We wrote a future impact piece on the site uh, this morning that talked about him, and uh, we interviewed uh, you know, his teammate, uh, Devon Fulnoy. He's going to be a Trojan uh, next uh, fall. He's going to be out there um, actually suiting up for the Cardinal Gold. And uh, he talked a little bit about uh, Trayvon and his uh, progression and how he's improved over the last year and a half. And we also talked to uh, USC um, or excuse me, actually the Rivals.com rankings analyst, Barry Every, who uh, has the history one ranked as a three-star right now. But we talked about uh, what he liked about him and, and kind of what he thought uh, he needed to improve on. And so it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting story. It kind of gives you, you know, two different uh, two different sides, two different perspectives on Trayvon Briggs. Yeah, kind of a bigger guy, right? He's more of a bigger back, kind of a power guy. Yeah, uh, compared to uh, DJ Morgan and Dylan Baxter, definitely. Those guys are a little more of the moves, uh, speed guys. Um, DJ's the uh, you know the big-time hurdler and the track guy, and uh, Dylan Baxter's just kind of been that legend in San Diego for the past few years. I mean, he's been kind of like a guy that we've been watching since his freshman year. He's been on varsity, and uh, a guy that can, you know, he, he's just like a, a rubber ball in a, a phone booth. I mean, he's just everywhere and has so many moves. Really, really crazy, crazy guy to watch. He's he's pretty amazing, and uh, and then according to Barry, every might not be playing uh, totally just you know exclusive running back when he gets to USC. But you have to check out the story to, to hear a little more about uh, his opinion on Dylan Baxter and the three running backs that USC has committed. Yeah, it's a great story put up today. The future impact. Usually do those after all the commitments, after the news breaks, kind of go inside a little bit. Gerard does a real nice job with that. Um, all right, cool. Let's uh, let's get to some questions. All right, is that cool? Yeah, go for ready? It. We're firing away. Okay, uh, so Clay in Los Angeles, he, he had two questions, and he made specific reference to please ask them both, so I will ask them both. Um, uh, two, what are the chances of USC landing uh, Chantrell Henderson and or and or Lake Seastrunk? And I know Lake comes up all the time. We talk about him on the message boards a lot, but, you know, being one of the top players in the country, I guess his name's going to come up a lot. Well, definitely, especially after USC gets their third commitment at running back. A lot yeah. of people kind of <laughs> want to know where Lake Seastruck falls into place. And yeah, USC is still going to be there. I think USC is going to be there till the end. Um, I, I've said, you know, time and time again, I think it's going to end up being probably an LSU-USC thing. And I think LSU, 
I don't know. I, if I was a betting man, honestly, I, I think I'd have to kind of still lean towards LSU at this point um, for various reasons. He's originally from Louisiana. He's a Katrina kid. So, you know, there's a lot of ties there to Louisiana, and his, his cousin, kind of sort of cousin, uh, Trevon Reed, he's one of those kind of non-blood cousins, uh, is, uh, in Louis, or is he still in Louisiana, and they're pretty tight, and they could end up going to the same school. And if they go to the same school, it's probably going to be LSU, not USC. So um, kind of, you know, LSU is definitely going to be there. You don't hear a lot about them right now. But, uh, I mean, USC is still in the thick of things, and I think they'll, they'll continue to recruit him hard, and I think he's still in their plans, and, and, they, and they want to try to get him. And uh, with Chantrell Henderson, USC has a very good shot. It uh, just depends on how hard they recruit him. They have yet to been up there for an eva- May evaluation, and um, – you know, that's kind of interesting. The number one uh, offensive line recruit in the nation, number one recruit in the nation overall, actually, right now, Sean Charles Henderson, 6'8", wow, yeah. uh, 300-plus pounds. I mean, some people say he's like 310. <laughs> some, people, some people say he's a little closer to 330 right now. Um, but, you know, offensive line is a need for USC, so they got to get up there, see him in person, and uh, he definitely wants to come out and visit. So any guy who comes out in his own dime for an unofficial visit during the summer, you got to think that USC uh, has somewhat of a shot at him. So, yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, second question from Clay. Oh, just a real quick note on that. Just like Joe McKnight, the LSU fans were livid when USC signed him because there's no love lost. I mean, LSU fans really pretty much hate USC. But can you imagine USC with three top running backs in the class already and then you get C-Strunk and he doesn't go to L- – I mean, oh. That USC fans yeah. would love that. They would love. So we'll see. It'll be, that's probably why he's so popular. You know, they want to, They would really like to stick it to the LSU fans if possible. Um, second question from Clay: Who's the biggest out-of-state recruit you see committing to the Trojans? Kind of ambiguous, wow. but yeah. I mean, there's a lot. There, there's a lot there. <laughs> that's a signing day question because I mean, the biggest out-of-state recruit probably won't be committed uh, anytime soon. Um, and, and knowing, you know, how things worked last year and, and kind of just the way and the strategy, the approach that USC's coaching staff has taken to the recruiting process this year, it's going to be probably something that just doesn't evolve until January. Uh, at this point, you know, Chantrell Henderson is a guy that, you know, it's, like I said, if USC continues to be involved with him and really decide to put the full court press on him, that's a pretty big crew out of state that's going to have a lot of interest in USC. So, I mean, I think that's a guy. Uh, I, I know Jordan Hicks is there, and he's kind of an interesting story. I, I think yeah, I think Ohio State is a bigger player with him than, than some people think. A lot of people talk about Texas, but it could end up being an interesting deal with Ohio State. Maybe if USC goes out there and, and puts another uh, thumping on Ohio State, that could maybe open up some things with, with Hicks. Um, it's going to be tough, I think, out of state in Florida uh, for the linebackers there. You know, Christian Jones might be the guy that's a little more open to looking uh, outside the state of Florida, but Jeff Luke is going to be real difficult, I think, to get away from Miami and Florida. I think he's kind of looking to stay close to home. Um, so, I mean, that, that's kind of where the big-time out-of-state recruits are and, and the guys that people really look at are, you know, the guys that are farther away, the guys that, you know, USC goes in and they have to kind of steal them away from a, a, a local power. You know, that, those are usually the guys that come to mind. And, uh, you know, closer to home, I think Marquise Flowers is a guy that could definitely end up at USC, who I think is a big-time recruit. Now it's Arizona, and USC has kind of made Arizona like an extension of Southern California in the past few years uh, with yeah. some of the guys that they've recruited out of there. They've had a lot of success. And so people kind of look at you know Arizona like, well, you know, it's Arizona. We should be able to get guys out of Arizona. Well, but it's still out of state. And I think Marquis Flowers is a guy that – 
just, I don't know. I think he's really, really, really good. And people uh kind of sleeping on how good he is right now. And, and that's a guy that definitely, you know, USC could, could have a shot at. And wide receiver, you know, they're going to have to probably grab a guy from out of state at wide receiver just is the same as they're probably going to have to try to grab a guy out of state for linebacker. With the wide receiver, they got uh, two guys, Ambles and Demarcus Cobbs are both guys that they could be going on. And uh, they, they probably have a really good shot at him. All right. Well, that's, you kind of led into two of my questions, but you just specifically mentioned those two guys. So I'll go. This is from Martin. Um, segue? This is segue. It was a good segue, but you guys segue to two questions. I'll have to get to the other one in a second. But he mentioned specifically DeMarco Cobbs and, and, and Markeith uh, Ambles. Uh, how good do you feel about the, the, the whole overall wide receiver potential, the class potential for the class of 2010? Oh, how good do I feel? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think USC has great options at this point. I think that, uh, like I said, Marcus Am- Markeith Ambles and DeMarco Cobbs. Markeith being from uh, Georgia, he's from McDonough, and uh, Henry County High School, he's about 6'2", 190. Uh, not a blazer. Not, not, he's kind of a tweener in, in a lot of ways because he, he's a real physical player. He's a guy that really he can catch the ball underneath. Um, he's, he's not afraid of contact, uh, but he's not huge either. He's not like a six four guy. Uh, but he's not a burner, so he's kind of he's, he's kind of a guy that's kind of a tween between uh, maybe a Z and what you would find in an X receiver. And but he loves SC. I mean, he just really likes SC. He's going to be out here twice during the summer. He's going to come in early June, then he's going to re- uh, come back for a return trip for the Rising Stars camp, and we'll get to see him play against some pretty good competition. We saw him at the Army All American uh, National Underclassman Combine, and he was dominant. He was just flat out dominant. He was probably the best receiver there probably the most uh, consistent receiver. And he came back. He actually came out for the morning session and went in one-on-ones and did his testing and everything. And then he actually came back out with the afternoon session to go against the guys in that session in one-on-ones too. So, you know, he's a guy that's not shying away from competition. So he's got a pretty good shot at him. And, uh, you know, DeMarco Cobbs, obviously, like I talked about, a little more of an athlete, definitely more raw but has the SC number one right now going into the Rising Stars camp. So that's going to be another guy that, again, you know, paying his own way to come out to USC. And the camp situation is, is definitely very beneficial for the coaches because that's really where they shine. I think that the coaches at USC are probably the best recruiting tool uh, that SC has. And then you got guys like Kyle Pratter, who's really the, the one big split-in X-type that they're recruiting at this point uh, from Hillside, Illinois. Um, so it, it's pretty good. Uh, and, and Kenny Stills is a guy that just got an offer, um, I think it was last week, and and he's a guy at USC, again, a really good shot at him, really loves USC. He's a little little slimmer, a little more of a, a vertical-type threat. Um, so they have, you know, a lot of offers that they, they put out there. Um, a lot of the guys that, that, that they're looking at are looking at USC, and they're pretty serious about USC. So it's, it's, it's good. It's good right now. Robert Woods, the biggest, you know, the biggest catch of them all. We're going to see what it, what it comes down to. It's probably going to be Cal, UCLA, and USC. And, uh, you know, his parents like UCLA a lot, so that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But, again, I mean, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, I just, you know, foresee it being a January-type deal. It's just not going to be a lot going on um, early in the season for these bigger-name recruits. All right. Now, a guy like Cobbs, you mentioned, coming out from Oklahoma. Yeah, USC has these camps and stuff in the summer, but I guess what people don't realize a lot of times is, yeah, these players got to – pay their own way. I mean, a lot of players would love to come camp at places, but it's not always, uh, you know, it's not always affordable for them. No, financially it's tough. And, um, and they, yeah, they got to come out here and, and 
for the Rising Stars camp, luckily they can stay on campus in the dorms. Um, so it's an overnight thing, and, and but you got to pay for the camp as well. Sure, yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's it's a double expense, and it's not easy. So when a kid is is willing and his family are willing to save up the money to fly out here um, for that specifically, it shows you that uh, they're pretty serious about the school, definitely. Right. All right, and uh, of course, like you said, Pete Carroll loves to evaluate these guys in person. So these camps coming up in June are are uber important as far as the whole USC recruiting process goes. Uh, so the other segue. You mentioned uh, Jeff Luke, but this this question is coming from Doug uh, out of Maryland. He wanted to know, he thinks that the linebacker class is really, you, you know, USC really needs some bodies there in this 2010 class, especially some of the bigger linebackers. And um, he likes some of the guys that have offers already, but he wanted to know of the out-of-state guys, who's the best opportunity to pull it? Like who would have the best opportunity to bring into USC? And he mentioned guys like Jeff Luke, Hayes Pullard, Tony Jefferson, Josh Shirley, Justin Macklin, Christian Jones, and Jordan Hicks. Okay, well, Shirley and Jefferson and some of those guys are actually in-state guys, Pullard are in-state guys. Now, they have an okay shot at some of those guys. Uh, Pullard, I think they have a good shot at. Jefferson, they have a great shot at. Jefferson's probably going to play safety, though. Um, So, in-state, they've got some guys. Shirley, uh, from the vibe I'm getting, I think it's going to be UCLA. I think Tennessee are actually ahead of SC at this point. Um, I think playing time is maybe going to be an issue with him. But there's a long ways to go. And he'll be coming to the Rising Stars camp as well. And when you have that opportunity, it seems like SC definitely can make the most out of it. Um, but at this point, I'd say he's leaning away from SC. So those are the in-state guys that USC's recruiting. Out of state, it's tough right now. I don't, I don't know if I would say that they have a really good shot at getting anybody that they have an offer to out of state. I mean, Justin Macklin's talking about coming out to the Rising Stars camp. We'll see if that happens. Alabama and LSU are recruiting him really hard, and they kind of jumped on him early. And I think that they've kind of uh, they definitely established a little bit of a lead, even though I don't think he'd admit it. Um, you know, Jeff Luke, I just don't see him leaving Florida. Christian Jones, really got to be considered an FSU lean at this point. I think he's kind of basically said, yeah, kind of FSU is my leader because I'm very uh, I'm, I'm very familiar with the school, and he's been up there a lot of times. I just get a vibe for whatever reason that he might be a little more apt to kind of look around. But, you know, until he actually visits, and it's going to have to be an official visit later during the year, you really can't give NC any kind of really good chance at him. And Kyrie Ford is a guy that's still out there that, you know, kind of has an offer but doesn't have an offer. I have, you know, I haven't heard anything lately about him actually being able to hook up with SC and talk uh, about a scholarship offer. I don't know if they've actually evaluated him yet, um, but that's another big-time guy that might actually be a little more apt to leaving again, just like Christian Jones. But I think with, with his family and whatnot, they might actually move with him when he graduates high school. So that's a little more you know, doable in terms of a guy coming that far away, you know, 3,000 miles away uh, to go to college. But, you know, honestly right now, is there anybody that USC has this great shot at that, you know, they're on the inside at? Not really right now. I think it's definitely going to be in the deal where they got to get some unofficial visits in, hopefully. But more or less, it looks like a lot of these guys, it's going to depend on official visits later during the season or probably the way USC does it during the year after the season. All right, and Kari Fort, you mentioned out of Connecticut. And if anyone, if some of these names are over your head and you don't realize who they are, you can always go to uscfootball.com, and we have a little recruiting database there. You can look any of these guys up, and we have videos and photos and all kinds of stuff on these guys. So you can check them all out, and Gerard has his target list up that go up every month. So we have a lot of information on all these players, and obviously there's news breaking all the time. Offers and stuff are going out. There's a lot going on right now because the coaches are out doing their May evaluations. So, all right, one last question, Gerard. Is that cool? 
That's cool. Yeah, we got a uh, – this is from Honduras in Central America. So you, I know you like the international questions. Um, the international is cool because, I mean, it just it's those guys you know are really trying to follow the program, and it's tough when you're not in the country. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think hopefully the podcast help. It's Robert, and he graduated from SC in 05, says he loves the podcast and listens every week. And uh, over the past two years, USC shot up the academic rankings of national universities. And in 2009, only four of the traditional recruiting powers are in the top 50, Notre Dame, USC, Texas, and Florida. How is USC using this to their advantage? And have you heard of USC recruits commits saying academics were a big part of their decision? Well, academics are usually a big part of a lot of recruits' decisions, actually. I mean, and some kids look at it like, hey, I'm going to go to college, and it's a college education, and every college education is a good education. You know, some kids are a little more specific about their degrees and their majors, and, and usually with USC, it's the business school. Um, that seems to be the real draw, and I think USC definitely uses that a lot. Um, but one specific thing that I've heard come from kids uh, really in the initial part of the recruiting process when USC's talking about them is that USC's a private school. And I think a lot of kids just really don't have any idea of that. They don't really know that it's a private school. And that seems to be something that surprises them, and that's always followed up by small classroom sizes. And being able to be in a classroom with, you know, 20 to 30 kids instead of a big, you know, one of those theater-type classes that you get and, and maybe some other schools where you've got 3,000 or, excuse me, 3,000, 300 kids, um, you know, in that, in that auditorium. And in terms of, you know, specific teaching and being able to be one-on-one with your professors and whatnot, USC does a good job of, uh, of getting that point across and, and really trying to, to use that as a recruiting tool. And I think that probably more than anything, as far as talking to the kids, comes up, um, you know, in terms of rankings and, and statistics and, you know, we have the best this and look at the numbers here, that stuff is, is twisted and turned uh, like, you know, politicians twist and turn statistics. I mean, you go to five, you know, universities, and I don't care what five universities it is, it could be, you know, well, I won't name any, but <laughs> really low-standing <laughs> academic universities. And trust me, they've got a statistic somewhere that says that they've got the number one business school in the country. they got something that says, hey, you know, we graduate more of our football players here and there. And it's just a matter of, you know, twisting the, the numbers and making them look the way you want them to look. So that kind of stuff, I think these kids, especially when they go on visits and everything with their parents, I mean, they get sheets, they get papers that say all kinds of crazy stuff. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean anything because, you know, you got to go and do your own research on your own and, and figure that out. And that's not really part of the recruiting process. That's up to that kid to do that. So uh, I think it's, I think the one thing that stands out that you can't really lie about, you can't really twist and turn is that USC is a private university and it doesn't have a huge enrollment. So you're going to have uh, classes that are a little more uh, one-on-one and, and you're going to be able to actually hear your professors and, instead of, you know, having them echo through this huge auditorium type uh, classroom and stuff like that. Cool. All right. Well, Gerard, thanks very much again. And everyone, thank you for the questions. If you have any more, just drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. I tend to get a bunch on Tuesday before the podcast and then a bunch kind of on Thursday after the podcast comes out because then people think about their questions. So I I keep them all and uh, we try to get to all of them if we can. I mean, feel free to send them in again and we'll try to get to them. But Gerard, thanks for uh, sharing all your insights with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Everyone else? Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks to our guests. We had Dan Weike, Kyle Moore, Coach Harvey Hyde. Uh, we had Gerard Martinez, of course. And uh, we will talk. <laughs> almost to- forgot about me at the Gerard- end. <laughs> well, I, re- I already thanked you. I know. But uh, thank oh. you, guys. Thanks for all our guests. And, of course, you, Gerard. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week. 
You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Thank you.